0: There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent, and yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes featuring real stories from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. You can listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. We see a lot of perfect images of pregnancy, birth, and parenting, but more and more people are standing up to tell their real stories. In this podcast, you will hear some of those real stories, from the joy of parenting and the complexities of dealing with illness, with Atrix and mom, Jamie Lynn Sigler, a mom coping with loss and raising two toddlers, to the realities of parenting a baby born prematurely. These brave mom and dads have the courage to speak up and share their laughter, tears, and triumphs so that no one else has to feel alone in their experience. We hope you will join this important conversation. Whether you are a parent or considering becoming one, subscribe to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting unspokenstories.org. That's unspokenstories.org. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast-creating community for people of
1: color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and
2: Danielle Jackson. Hi, welcome to the show. Today's episode features Brandi Wells. She is a licensed independent social worker specializing in childhood mental health. Her true magic comes from being a mom of three little ladies. She shares with the community practical parenting skills using conscious parenting, sensory integration, and play. Hello, Brandy. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
2: Well, Brandy, we always start our day off, our show's off with you, our guest, telling all of our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family so they kind of get a visual idea of what's going on with you and your family who you are all right well
3: um it's hard to uh, try to summarize all that i am because you know i feel like i encompass a lot but um <laughs> my name is brandy wells i am um, a 34 year old african-american woman born and raised in um columbus ohio um I I am a local independent um, social worker. I've worked in kind of an arena of social service agencies. Um, I've done work with um, early childhood population, um, juvenile population, um, drug and alcohol population. And I'm currently working inside of a suburban um, school district um, servicing the special ed um, children who have any type of uh, mental health concerns. I've been doing this for over a decade, um, you know, learning and absorbing information about um, mental health in regards to um, diagnosis and interventions. Um, But just as you read, I feel like most of my knowledge comes from being a mom. Um, I have three amazing little girls. Um, One is 12. Five, and then I have a one year old. Um, so I have a little bit of everything um, going on in my home. Um, and I try to raise them practically, consciously. Um, um, you know, and my angle is to really try to get rid of some generational trauma and cycles um, that are unhealthy for families, especially for um, women of color and families of color. Um, I do that in partnership with my husband, um, Maurice Wells. He's a collegiate athlete um, t- turned attorney, um, and he's out here servicing um, people in um, Columbus, Ohio. Um, and together, you know, we we try to represent, you know, Black family joy. We try to show the good and the and the bad of um, raising a family, but how we get through our hurdles, how we Um, are resilient, and how we um, just lead more intentional um, and do more purposeful work with raising our children and touching the children around us and the people around us. So um, that's that's what I've been doing. I mean, I'm online and I really try to um, funnel this information online through my blog and Instagram, My Motherhood Magic, um, in which I just highlight me raising my kids so that other women who are doing it or not um or who are inspired or encouraged by um seeing me with my children you know get something out of it um you know i try to be real positive um, when it comes to motherhood and and family um and i've built a, a village of people of women particularly online who um feel like what i have is a value and so i begin some consultation services with women um, where I offer support to women around the country who really have challenges when it comes to parenting children. Because as you know, when you labor a baby, it doesn't come with a manuscript. It doesn't come with something that tells us what to do. Right. Um, and, so, and so people are looking are looking for, for um, some answers or some guidance or just a way to feel validated or like, oh shit, I'm doing this right. So, um, or I'm doing it in, um, not right, but in, um, conjunction to someone else. Like I feel, I feel relatable. Um, I feel like I'm in this journey with you. So, so yeah, I mean, that's a little bit about me, um, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, I'll say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if you are not, um, if, if you're new to Brandy, you definitely need to be following her online. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, in a bit, but I know like the things that you're sharing, not only just how you're, you're raising your dollars, but also, um, you know, the, the parenting relationship and just your relationship with your husband is just beautiful to see, but actually being able to take the things that you're sharing and using it like with my own children, um, is wonderful. So yeah, that means a lot
3: to me. Those, those messages and those things validate my purpose and and it fuels my passion so I appreciate you sharing that yeah
1: but we're gonna link everything so everybody (laughs) can get on that. that do that right um and so yes you did mention that you have three little ones and so um you know we like to give you the freedom to, to share on any parts of those. We you know, typically find that some people will share one, one pregnancy or one birth, and they kind of all overlap. So um, you, you kind of guide where that goes. But can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancies?
3: Um, I'll touch on my birth, well, the pregnancy of my first child, because she is so much older and um, I was at a different space. I mean, she was 12 and I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, when having her and so with that pregnancy came a lot of anxiety and anticipation of unknown and what am I doing I had never done it before I had only um you know I had been raped by a mom who I believed parent me the best way I could mm-hmm. and that came her walking beside me with that first child um Me and Maurice at the time were not married. I was 21, but he was 19. So he was a freshman in college and I was a junior in college. And so even us, as far as our journeys, you got to imagine, I was like headed towards understanding what career path I wanted to take. While my partner was like, "I'm just getting to college. I'm a collegiate athlete. I'm trying to kick it." Like you're (laughs) pregnant. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, you know. And so, I mean, thankfully, I've always had a partner who understood the value of parenting. And so, even beginning my pregnancy was always like, "Whatever you want to do with your body." Um, you have permission to do so. You know, if you want to keep the baby at this time, if it's something that you want to think about, adoption or whatever the situation may be, I'm okay with that because I trust you and Mm -hmm. this is is your body. And so he was always very intellectual when it came to that. So, but I wanted to keep my baby and I was young and I had a very tight village, especially my mom. Um, But that pregnancy was like, a whole bunch of unhealthy habits, eating all that I wanted. <laughs> um, definitely almost contracting a gestational diabetes. Like, it was just all about, like, I was young, and it was just like, this is all new to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so that pregnancy was not as empowering, I would say, as my first pregnancy, or as my last pregnancy um, because I was 33 when I carried my child, and I was more conscious, and I had the ability to understand how I needed to nurture my body, how I needed to take care of my body. I worked out. I right. um, I had that pla- you know, I had that foundation. Yeah. Um. So I was able to be more empowered, and I, um, you know, I did I did my self care, and I was really I'm um, advocating for the things that I needed. So looking at that first pregnancy and then looking at my last, there had been extreme growth. Yeah. Um, but when it came, and, and even in the labor and delivery room, it came with extreme, um, just extreme, like I was just so much more mature Yeah. Um, that go round.
1: Yeah. And I think you, you know, you find that in people who have multiple children, There is growth and evolution throughout our birth experiences. Well you you know, you naturally learn from each experience, but you know, thinking about where you are when you have each of those pregnancies and those births, it's also like to see your own self evolving and growing. Yes. Um, Yes. And I think that also speaks to just parenthood in general. So
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I say the way I parent the way I parented my first child. It's definitely not the way I'm parenting <laughs> all three of my girls. Yeah. Um, and so you would hope that each journey, one after another, continues to help you just grow individually. So, right. for sure. Right. right. And hopefully,
1: and too, like, you know, thinking about our children watching us parent and change throughout that, that they're able to see our growth and kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, take that in and also use the new lessons that we're using for themselves. Um, Yes. And I know for you, it's probably um, really great to see, because you have, like, the the age difference, being able to see how that all aligns.
3: Yes. And just see how those lessons and values have uh, manifest into my oldest. Mm -hmm. And even seeing her in a more nurturing um, role in the house, yeah you know, she is the oldest she's 12 her sisters are so much younger to her so they almost look to her like a second mother yeah. mom, in a way um and she has taken that so gracefully um it's been amazing to watch her because I believe she's echoing what I have given to her mm-hmm. and her being like using her words and like being able to articulate and like break up fights and, like, hold them when they need that and be yeah. able to just be that vessel that I've tried to create for her, it's it's, it's just been, like, overwhelmingly, I mean, it's it came with its challenges by far, but, like, seeing right. that, it's, it's just beautiful.
0: Yep. Love
2: that. that. And to consider, too, that the idea that you can begin again, I think that's something that... Ooh. Uh, kids don't always know or always know yes. mm. as adults like when you just like you said with your oldest daughter like she's seen how you were with her whatever memory she has of how you raised her and then the new things that you've added and how she sees things are different with her sisters and what they were with her and that's just mm. an important lesson that we don't always know like well can I be a new thing can I, you know what I mean yeah well, I just have to be who I've always been yes.
4: yeah yeah
3: Yes, absolutely. I think that's really like my prac, like that's really my practice online is like, how do we understand that our roles as individuals are way more than just us? Yeah. Like how I'm impacting so many people around me, my environment. I have to move and think and consider that I am, um, you know, I'm not just doing this for myself anymore. So right it's, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's great for
1: sure um, um can you now tell us about your births well I, whoa I skipped a whole thing <laughs> how did you <laughs> like I just went to it <laughs> um how did you prepare for each of your births um and was that like something you were thinking about throughout your pregnancies
3: um I prepared for my first in a way that I just wanted stuff, you know, like I just felt like I just needed a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I didn't, I don't even know if I prepared mentally, like in in my mind, I was just more worried about all like the physical pieces of having a child. So I overbought a lot and because it was my first and it was the first, um, of our family, we were graciously, like, given a lot of things. Um, I did not know what I was about to get into, um, into the actual physical birth of my daughter. Like, I had not really, I don't even know if you have the ability to really prepare for that until you're actually in that role, because it's like such a, it's it's so different than you walking as a woman. It's like you're a mom now and like you're taking care of someone. Mm -hmm. Um, So I tried to get my buckets in a row. You know, I did a lot of like making sure that I was working and making sure that my finances were aligned to be able to take care of a child. Um, Making sure that I was just ready to have room for her. Um, But I don't, think I was prepared enough until her actual physical like coming to earth with my last baby of course there was a lot of other things that I had to prepare for because it was like I'm bringing a sibling now like Mm -hmm. I have to not only prepare me but I have to prepare my um, other children um, for that transition because that's not only new for me as a mom like being prepared to parent three daughters but like how are they going to fit into the groove of having another sibling? So yeah. it came with like a lot of literature and like reading to them, um, even trying to talk to moms who have multiples. Because I think having one child is one thing, but then adding is like a game changer. Listen. And then when you have three and you don't have enough hands to hold. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, what did I just get into?
2: Who, uh, who signed me up for this? Zone <laughs> defense, that's all it is. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all number. <laughs> You're outnumbered.
3: You're outnumbered, for sure. And I was like, I need to make sure, and even then, like, it it, it didn't happen until it happened and I I struggled too with like having being outnumbered but as far as just preparing myself I really tried to make sure I was taking care of my body I wanted my body to feel good so that I had the energy to hold three children I I really had to make sure that I was taking care of myself so I did a lot of like even self-care in pregnancy like advocating for time alone, and having space to, um, you know, relax and, and, and be still. Um, and so that's how I kind of mentally prepare for my last daughter.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because, like you said, taking on new siblings, adding, expanding. You need to have as mm. energy as sure. you can as you enter into that new um, transition. But something oh, you yeah. bring up that I think is really important that I think, you know, many of us try to think about and, and do is preparing siblings for that transition. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially when you go from one to two, you know, you've had a kiddo who's had all the attention. So how mm-hmm. do you prepare them for sharing that space with you? Um, and then thinking about, you know, now when you add the, the like when you had another child, just how does everyone do that so I think I think it is really is important for us finding ways to incorporate our children in the pregnancies so that Mm -hmm. they feel a part of that but also giving them the tools to know like you know this is a big transition there's going to be a lot of new things and new emotions but we're like all in it together
3: yeah and I think that's the beauty of like working in (laughs) mental health for me like working with children because I got so many parents who would come in, um, I worked also for Nationwide Children's Hospital in the early childhood program, and there were so many kids who were coming in, and parents were describing some challenging behaviors from children, you know, three, four, five on, and I always started with, like, what big changes um, have occurred, and a lot of times it was around adjustment to new siblings, you Mm -hmm. know, children acting out so that they can get the attention of their their parent and parents really not understanding how big of a shift that is like that you still have to hold space for one child like you do the other and like right it was simple as like can you make sure that you still have special time with one and then it'll be like a oh my god all of that stuff faded Um, so because of that and I was seeing some of that I was like oh my god I got to I got to stay clear of that let me make sure that I still have ice cream with my little baby and make sure that my oldest is still getting her time. You know, let me drop her off by myself, leave the kids with my husband so I can check in with her and just yeah. really trying to leave with like some, some purpose. So, I mean, no, but again, I mean, if you don't know, you
2: don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Or if it wasn't done with you, you know?
4: Exactly.
2: Your family is like, every, every new kid is just like, it's just a new kid. You're all right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> be a, be a big, better you, big brother. Be a better big
4: sister.
3: Like, yep. And know. if you're like my mom, like yeah. my mom, she had nine, she had eight other siblings. So she talked about, I would, I would you know, oftentimes now ask about like her experience growing up. And she shares like her mom and dad didn't parent her. Like, Mm. her mom was there as, like, you know, a protector and, like, did a lot of domesticated stuff. And then Mm. her dad worked and came home, took a shower, went to bed and ate, you know. But, like, her older siblings took care of her. Like, there was so many of them. Like, there was no special time. (laughs) Yep. I, you know that's that's just not what happened. But those are some generational things that we have to begin to be like. Okay, but did that make you feel good? Did you right. have a bond with your? Did you have a bond with your parents? Right. Like, you know them, <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Tell you know
4: them, people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh. But and I think that's why it is so important that we talk to our parents about their birthing, yes. about their parent, like about their experiences as children, but also their their own pregnancy and birth experiences to know, like, yes. okay, why are they the way they are? Why am I the way I am? Do I like that? How can yeah. we do it? Like, it yeah. has to start with having those conversations.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, you do. And I like. I mean, I'm just a like a information seekers so for me like when I'm around older folks like I'm always like nudging at the brain like tell me tell me what it is that you know so for me like being able to bond with my mom in a way to like begin to dig deeper because I think it also begins to unravel some hidden things within yourself Mm -hmm. um because there's some things that have been passed on, like, genetically, and yeah. just things that we're predisposed to, even in our mental health. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, be- yeah, I begin to be able to do, like, my own healing. Like, you know what? I knew that you guys had some alcoholism, but I didn't know that it was that bad. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like, we've yes. really been able to have, like, conversations about some of those challenging things. So
1: so true.
2: So oh, yeah, family won't talk to about until you are an adult.
3: <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah, and also <laughs> and that, and that, and what's sad is like it's almost too like I don't want to say that, but like it can almost be too late. Like, yeah. right. I talk to people all the time. I'm like, do you know that over fifty percent of mental health diagnoses start and manifest before the age of fourteen? Like before um, the age of fourteen. So you're not going into depression at 25 years old your depression started when you were little and then it manifested until so now you recognize that like right those things be are those things have layers so like you have to start with like children if we yep. really want to do that work we have to start with our babies
1: yep so true so true
2: now the moment Laurel
4: couldn't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy, can you please tell us about your birth
3: experiences? Oh, wow. Well, well, I would say my first birth experience to me compared to my last was just, I mean, I guess I would just say terrible. Mm. Um, I labored for a long time, you know, I kept going back and forth to the hospital because I didn't know how, I didn't expect or know what my body should feel like. Um, With that being said, when I feel like you spend more time in the hospital, with that comes like medication because I'm in the hospital and I'm in pain and it's right there and it was really kind of like, well, do you want something to soothe you? So I was very quick to, like, get an epidural, get Pitocin. Um, I labored for a very long time. Um, And then all I remember, and my mom and my husband will quote me all the time and say, all you kept saying was, get that thing out of me. (laughs) And I'm like, that is to me, I'm like, that is so sad. Like, I was just so, it was just so it was just terrible. Um, my second go-round, seven years later, I was like, I'm not doing that. I want to be more empowered. Like, mm-hmm. there has to be a way that I can, like, advocate for myself and be able to do things my way, and I did that. And so I did a lot of laboring at home um, my way, and then when I went to the hospital, I was there for, you know, 30 minutes before giving birth to her. Um, I had did it naturally. Um, but there was still some answers I guess I was seeking because I still didn't feel like it had aligned with what I wanted. Although she came quickly and it was naturally, I still felt like the process, um, wasn't, um, it just wasn't as natural and as graceful as I wanted to be. Um, So I wanted a little bit more, and so I was seeking um, some more midwifery services. Um, And I stayed with the hospital, but they had offered um, midwife services, and I was pregnant with my my third, which is what I call my angel baby, because I miscarried. Um, But during the miscarriage, I went to my midwife, and um, she was like, you're bleeding. We're going to do an ultrasound. And I went into the ultrasound room, and there was no heartbeat. And she was a white woman, and I just remember this to this day. And she was like, well, this happened. And, like, that was the first thing that, like, had came out of her mouth. Um, and it was like, this happened. And I'm like, as I sit here with the feelings of sadness and grief and loss, The first thing you say to me is this happened you have no connection with me you you have no ability to hold me in this moment and I felt like it was so just it, it felt like it was so um redundant like she had done this over and over and so she was scripted to kind of like go through the motions like okay and so now the next thing we do if it doesn't come out naturally you know we scrape it and Or you can take medication and it was like whoa 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 like i i you know i just lost a baby here so um at that time i was like you know what i need to find a woman of color um i can't i can't sit in a room with someone who can't um you know, have space for me who, who doesn't have the relate, relate, relatability and the ability to really connect. Um, and so I found um, a black doctor and I met with her a few times and um, I planned to have my fourth pregnancy um, and we did it together and it was beautiful. She was a doctor and I still have my baby in the hospital. But as far as just having someone in the room who looked like me, who had, who had space for me, Mm -hmm. who could hold me and empower me to do it my way, I probably would say like that was the most beautiful um, experience that I had had in my way um, Mm -hmm. because I, I had to say like I, I have to have someone who I know can understand can understand me in this moment and I didn't feel that way so my last birthday was like I don't I mean I was able to be like she was I mean she was just really conscious on being like you don't have to have the heart monitor on you don't have to have anything hooked to you like if you want to bounce walk whatever it is you want to do you have the ability to do that and she allowed me to do that and I did it and I just it, I mean it was just a very graceful process um Again, I had her naturally. It was, um, I was able to labor a lot at home with my family. And then I went to the hospital and then things were done my way. You know, um, people in the room who I wanted to be in there, people who I didn't want to be in the room weren't in there. Um, And so the planning process and just having, you know, having it done in the way that I wanted to, it felt, it felt good.
2: It felt good. Yeah. Brandy, when I hear you talk about, um, your experience with your miscarriage when you discovered that that's what was happening how would you rewrite that what would you want the person in the room to have said
3: um for me because you know because I'm a therapist and I have dealt with people who have grief for me sometimes I don't need you to say anything like I sometimes just need people to sit in silence yeah um to be able to just kind of hold on to me in a way that doesn't need to always have a verbal connection. Like, we can communicate with people without using our words. Um, And so I just needed her to sit with me and validate any feeling or emotion or um, verbiage that had came out of my mouth. I just need you to echo me, right? Like, I don't need you to script for me. I don't need you to... Um, I don't need you to guess. I don't need you to do any of that. I just need you to just echo, validate, and hold, um, room for me to be in there and then allow me to just be. Um, and so I think in that moment, I just needed someone to just, just sit there, um, offer me a tissue, you know, maybe, you know, just rub my back or do something if they felt safe to do so um but again i was like totally not what i had um but i made sure that i had it this that that last time around yeah. um so yeah i think that's what i would want it to be like
1: and it's i mean you raise a really good point that like it, it, many of the care providers when you when people have these experiences have lost something where they forget to be humans mm-hmm. um and and, you, and you're like, you can't see the need for empathy in this moment. Like, you're so um, stuck in what you've been trained and getting, and getting people in and out that you forget that these are mm-hmm. real people who have real emotions that you're interacting with. And then I think another piece that comes up is that because they've lost that ability, it gets uncomfortable. So they're not able yes. to. And, and I loved that you said echo. They're not able to echo that silence or that that grief because
2: uh,
1: they 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 just are uncomfortable with it. Um, yeah, they're training. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's not. It's not in the train. Yes, they yeah. watch someone yeah. else
2: do it, and they're they're just repeating what they've heard someone else do. Done yep. the job yeah. before. They don't know what to say or do yeah. besides what they've been scripted to do already. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. just, these
3: are the
2: things I can tell you. This is what I know. This is how we go. This is the next step. Yeah. I'm still
3: and here. Think, I'm not on the next step. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think, I mean, even us in our day-to-day lives and the practices that we do as a um, therapist and you guys, um, you know, I know you are doula, but it could, be, it, it could be easy to go into that because we do experience feeling burnt out and mm-hmm. we do experience feeling, you know, we have our vicarious, vicarious traumas and things yeah. as well um, and triggers that come up too. So, But I think that's the beauty in being able to, if we do this work, to be able to step back and say, I need to rejuvenate, I need to fill my cup, I need to do things purposely so that I don't lose that connection with people. Yep. Um, and be able to just be real with yourself. Like I know when I'm not doing my best work and I won't allow myself to not do my best work. So I'll be able, I'm able to be like, I need to step away just like as a parent. Like if I can't parent you successfully in this moment, then I'm going to take a timeout because I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to take me a timeout. I'm going to go in my car and I'm going to ride around the corner because I, I can't, I can't do it right, right now. And that's right. okay, and that's okay too. You know, we're human. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's hard. But yeah, I definitely needed that. Yeah, more.
1: And I think I mean, it, and in hearing um, your your last daughter's uh, birth, that you were you were heard. Um, yeah, you were able to really be able to. That care provider was able to echo that, like, here's what, yeah. You want. well, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you be able to have those things? Like, yeah. Um, until it be, until it becomes not normal, which normal is just following the lead of the birthing person. I'm, I don't need to step in. Like, what's the right. point? Yeah. It's yeah. like a reclamation, yeah.
2: you're able to reclaim what was taken, you know, from you and that. Yeah. Experience.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yep. I had to, it was almost as if it's a sense of closure.
2: Yes. You know what I mean?
3: Like nope. I couldn't even wrap my mind around like, oh my God, this was gonna be my last birthing experience. Absolutely not. I won't allow it to be so. Right. Um right. And that, I, and that and it it didn't it didn't heal it for me all the way, but it definitely um it definitely empowered me and moved me in a way to be able to understand and even provide forgiveness, like that. that her being that way had nothing to do with me
1: right 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 oh and that's so because a a lot of people they do take that on like it was my fault Mm
3: -hmm. yes
1: it was my fault that the care provider treated me like that like I said absolutely something to make them come at me like that
3: it's like no it was not
1: you yeah (laughs)
3: not you yeah And sometimes you don't know, and sometimes you just don't know that's not normal. Right. If you're a, if you're a, if you're an African-American and you've been going to white doctors your entire Mm -hmm. life who have never held space for you Mm -hmm. and you just think you go in there and you're, you don't really talk about the things you really want to talk about, but you kind of take, you know, do what, you know, do the redundancy of an appointment. You might think that's okay. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, but it, for me, I was like, no, I know better. I'll do better. I, you will not, right. um, you will not do that. And I even told my last doctor, um, the beginning, I was like, this is why I'm here. And I, and I kind of laid out an expectation cause I needed to, I needed her to know that she, she needed to either rise to that occasion or she should let me go too. Like, exactly. um, and she was like, oh my God, no, I, that's, That is not okay. Who's the practitioner? Tell me who. I mean, she was ready to even march with me, um, which I even felt like, oh my god, like this woman is, she's body body, like (laughs) okay, you know, okay, okay. So (laughs) I felt I was like, okay, I can, I can rock with you. So I mean, yeah, I had to, I had to be that voice, and I'm, I'm sure countless others don't have that. So no,
1: no, and you're so right in that. Um, we should be expecting our care providers or anyone who's, who's in a, in a place to hold space for us in that way, um, mm-hmm. to be able to hear us and take care of us, yes. not, not, um, hold power over us. That's different.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. There's yep. You're right. Um,
1: there are big differences in that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree.
1: Yeah. So to shift a little bit, um, how can you, how can you, can you tell us a little bit about how postpartum was for you? Um, What did that look like?
3: Um, For me, my recovery processes with, my recovery process with um, my daughters, um, the last, I mean, honestly, for my first birth, I was young. I felt like I was so much more like my, I guess if you could say like your bounce back, like it was, it was just easier for me. Like, um, I did not experience any postpartum with her. I, um, I really, I really want to award my mother for that. Because when I tell you my husband wasn't in a space to be able to be there, like I needed him to be. And my mom was, um, in the moments that I had experienced anything, my mom was there to hold me and yeah. I am so grateful for that. And which is why I recognize the ability to have to have a village in order to have self care and to just do it. Um, and she did it. And she is that baby cried in the middle of the night and she knew I needed rest because one thing too, is that she was my mother and she knew her daughter. Mm-hmm. And so had the ability to know okay she's about to get aggie let me take this baby you go downstairs and take (laughs) a nap because I already know your temperament and so she she was able to cover me um my babies have been blessed to have her um to help partner in raising them um when I say they have stayed with her the first two years out of their life I mean, she has made a um, commitment to making sure she has the ability to stay home with them until they're two years old, um, and she'll go back part-time or whatever, um, but she stays with them during the day, um, and she really takes on that um, grandparent role,
4: Yeah, um, and she
3: did that, and, and it, it, I'm sure it, it echoes why probably my postpartum was so successful because I had the ability to have a handoff Um, with my second and third um, daughter. For me, my husband has always made sure he was my tag team partner. He too knows his wife's temperament. And I'm able to also just advocate for my needs in a way where I'm like, I am tired, or I am feeling this way. Um, I need this from you. And he does that, um, because he knows that that is also the well-being of his child. So um, my last daughter was colic, and I had not re- experienced that before, and I didn't know what that looked like. Um, so for her, my postpartum was a lot more difficult because I didn't expect that, and it was exhausting and frustrating, and it, um, it took me to a place I had not been with my other two daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, because hearing a baby cry for hours and hours with the inability to be soothed, um, and you're already in postpartum, it was like none other. I was like, oh my God. Um, but even being able to educate myself, I was very easy to be like, okay, this, I don't like, babe, I don't think this is normal. I'm going to up. Um, I just, for some reason, I just didn't think that that was okay. And so I was able to go on Google and I was able to look at things and then it, it made me discover more things. And I learned that, okay, maybe she's colic. And these are some things that you can do when a baby is colic. And when I started to understand that it wasn't a a me issue and it was just her temperament and her body and her hormones, then I was like, okay, that changes my perspective. right? And so I was able to do it more efficiently. Um and so that was difficult, but when I began to be more conscious about it, it began to pass over. Um, and then postpartum is different too because again, multiples. Right. When having one, it was like, Okay, hand off to my mom, I have time alone. But when my husband went back to work and I was at home with three children that to me was also a challenging part of postpartum because I I felt like I didn't have a break. Um, But then I started to realize, like, it's okay for my kids to not do nothing. It's okay for them to be bored. It's okay Mm -hmm. for them to go to their room and watch endless movies, and I don't have to constantly keep them entertained. Um, And so I had to let go of some of my anxiety, like, because I felt like I needed to show up like I did before having my last daughter, I felt like I had to still be that mom and I'm like, no, I don't have to be that mom. (laughs) Like I'm okay to not be okay. And to like need to lay in bed all day and, you know, have um, skin to skin with your baby. So, um, you know, once I began to like, again, just be a little bit more conscious about it and hold a different perspective things shifted but definitely in the middle of it all of course there was like nights I wanted to pull my hair out and crying periods and questioning why I even became a mother if yeah. I wanted to run away and go to another country um yeah. you know there was moments yeah. where I was like I don't <laughs> want to do this right. I don't want to do this um but by the by the grace it was like okay i if I did it before, I can do it again. Um right. and so I just had to feed myself some of that positive energy. But girl, in the thick of it all, I was like, honey, I'm about to just drive this car. I'm about to But <laughs> just keep driving. Somebody uh, come get me or <laughs> <them. laughs> like, Don't come get them. Come get me. <laughs> come get me. Yes. I don't care where we're going um but you know I, I i stuck it through and i i had to do the things that um made me feel better um so yeah i i pushed through and i was resilient
2: yes
1: um and this you you kind of lead into um the next question with some of the ways that you describe your postpartum and how you um how you, you know, shifted your perspective with interacting, especially like with your last child being colic. Um, what is conscientious parenting and why do you think it is important for our community to be aware and practicing that?
3: Um, for me, conscious parenting is a concept of, and I think I like leaned towards this earlier, but like when you know better, you do better. And you take the action steps to do better. And doing better is just being having the ability to know what is right, what is wrong, and effectively um, living in a more elevated kind of, um, you know, lifestyle and parenting lifestyle. Um, You know, breaking away from things just because they were done that way.
4: Mm, uh, being, able to,
3: being able to challenge some of the things that you thought were okay. Um, being able to really sit with your younger self and saying, um, how can I either use some of those tools or take away some of those things? Um, it's, all, it's, it's even made me look at, I love my mom. She is my everything, um, but she's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And there was some things that she did when she was parenting me that I don't want to do with my daughters. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have to say that doesn't mean she didn't love me. That doesn't mean that I was, it was terrible. It just means that she did, she did it her way and she was surviving. And now that I know how to, I can use that as a platform to continue to survive with my children. And so for me, it's just making sure you're intentional and you're purposeful. You're teaching lessons um, while you're parenting. We are our child's first teacher. We have the responsibility to lead them as far as possible and to be a pillar to their growth. And so we have to be a we have to be that action figure. We have to show them through our through our words how we communicate, how we move in this world, because they are looking at us for those answers, for that guidance. Um, And so it's important that if we want to change future generations um, to be more kind, to be more empathetic, to be um, more resilient, to be more powerful, um, and to lead some of the things that we see are going on now, Um, then we have to do that work with ourselves so that we can, you know, model that for our children. So when we're thinking consciously and we're thinking about um, what is, is what I'm doing going to be a benefit? Um, Am I okay? Am I healed? Am am I leading this life in a very um, intentional way? Um, When you're asking yourself those questions, Um, then you're thinking more consciously and so you have the ability to parent more consciously. So, you know, you just know better, you do better, you just try. You try, you know, there is no perfect parent, there is no perfect mother, but Mm. trying and trying again to get it right, to try to get it to be more in tune, to feel better for you and your child because it doesn't feel good to both both parties um, when it's nasty and unhealthy and that doesn't, good, that doesn't feel good for anyone involved. And so to make it easier for, for everyone, it's like, what can we do to make it better? What can yeah. we do to make it better?
1: Yep. So. And I just thought about um, something I think that's hard for our community is being able to say, like, I love my parents, but that doesn't mean I have to do what they did or not even just yeah. our parents. any of our, our, our elders being able to step outside of ourselves and say, it's okay to be different. Like that didn't, I don't think that worked. That didn't, that's not how I want to do those things. And just because I'm going to do them differently doesn't mean I don't love you.
3: Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, especially in our black community, we have so much cultural trauma Mm -hmm. and so much um, layers and thick layers of like just being brainwashed and just surviving and just not having the ability to thrive in the settings in which we're placed. And so we are, it, it is hard because you have to really begin to sit with yourself and do some healing work and that takes you being able to look in the mirror and saying this part of me is not okay this is where it stems from and this is even where it stems even deeper because when I think about it I'm not just thinking about my mom and her mom I'm talking about like ancestors you know slavery things that were brought to us as a people Mm -hmm. that have really began to manifest in our day and time and so um and that's not anyone's fault you know that of, of us that's not our fault right. uh, but we have to take it you know by the balls and like I'm not gonna let that break me and we have done that as a people but we have to continue to you know do better um right. so yeah
1: absolutely absolutely Oh, yes. I wish I could, like, I'm snapping my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Preach Ed, <it>. Preach Ed.
3: <laughs> you know, I just try to, I try. I'm so, I mean, if anybody who knows me knows how passionate I am around this work, like, mm-hmm. I am, I, I have the ability to be a vessel I have got the um, information and I have to, I'm so passionate about sharing it because honey, there's so many people who need to receive it yep. and I am just so grateful. And I always, I'm just like, this, this, this is like, this is my thing. You know what I mean. Yeah, like this yeah. I, can talk, I can talk to you girls about it all damn day. Right. Um, right. I know you're right. not interested, but I mean, I live this. Like, this is this is my passion. I'm really fueled by this um, because I know it's good information to have.
1: Yep. Yep. So, absolutely. absolutely. Mm. Um. And I think that resonates definitely with Danielle and I, because I mean, that's part of our work as women of color doulas. Like we know that we're, we're changing generational trauma by Mm -hmm. through our work, um, and informing empowering families through their pregnancy and births, which leads to like the parenthood journey. So we definitely resonate with the messages, um, that, that you are, are sharing with the community. Um, yeah.
3: And, um, no, I was just going to say the amazing work, the amazing work of doulas, because, um, I really believe that when you heal the mother, when you heal the woman, when you heal the wound, um, you heal a nation, um, because we do, we are responsible for the birth. Um, and so when we get to really being able to heal women and to heal mothers and heal their wounds, um, we begin to heal all, all layers of, um, trauma. So it is, it's a, it's beautiful because our work is aligned. There is, yep. you know, it's, it's just a different way of getting at it, but it's the same purpose. Um, and we, and we fight the same war. So it's, it's all good.
1: Yep. Yes. Um, you touched on this a little bit at the beginning um, and a little bit now, but My Motherhood Magic is your way of um, sharing that work to the public. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Um, my Motherhood Magic, I, I began my journey on Instagram, um, and I was one of those people who like I only posted my kids, and I just posted what I was doing or places I was taking them, um, but along that, I was studying. So I had got my master's and I got my bachelor's and I began working in the field and I began training and just began to um, get a wealth of knowledge. And so I began to kind of like set my game up when it came to like trying to parent my girls. And I just began to use the things that I was getting taught um, and learning and researching and fact-based information and evidence-based practices and I began to do that with my family, and it was beautiful for people to see. I guess they began to be like, wow, like, wh- where did you find this place to go? Or why are you letting your kids play in water and and clay? Like, don't you think that's messy? And, like, they just began to, like, be the sign that either relatable or inspiring. And so I just began to birth kind of my way of mothering magically. Um, and so. By that, I began to do a blog where I began to just kind of feed out information um, in regards to like early childhood mental health. So like bedtime routines and um, conscious parenting and um, discipline and uh, how to build a bond with your child and understanding temperament and the, the uh, purpose of play and just like all these kind of things that I was getting um, all this immense kind of training around. Um, and people gravitated towards that. I think when people know that it's organic and it's real, they begin to um, connect um, to that person because it was already something that I had already done before even turning my um, Instagram to my motherhood magic. It had just started to become a vessel for me. So. Um, you know, I share, I just try to really inspire people to either challenge themselves or just to be like, you know what, sis, I do that too. And it feels good to know I do that too, and that I'm not by myself. Um, and so that that's what I do. I showcase kind of magic. And the thing about it is like, I people always are like, oh my God, you're, and I'm like, I see, there's, there's a ton of motherhood magic I have had the ability to showcase it, but a lot of my uh, cohorts and sisters and brothers around me, we all parent authentically. Um, I'm just showing you what already exists um, and what people are already doing. Um, We just don't get that recognition. We don't get that um, ability to kind of be on that platform. So don't take it, you know, don't take, don't get it twisted. Like, I am not the only one. Um, I am only one. And there's tons of peers who are like, you know, consciously parenting children.
1: Yep. Yes. Village surrounding.
2: That's right. Village surrounding. What are some of the services that you provide through your um, blog? So right now,
3: um, I do video conferencing. Um, As a therapist, I only have the ability to practice um, here in Ohio, um, because I'm licensed, but I was getting, um, I was getting connections with women in all different parts of the world. Um, because that's what the beauty of social media does. Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted to connect in a way that was more, um, intimate. And I'm like, how can I be a servant to someone outside of Ohio. So I began to just do some video conferencing and it's just consulting. So it's not to be in, I mean, it's really to be in conjunction of therapy. Like you should be doing your own practices in your own state. It's really just a support. Um, You know, sometimes women just need validation in a Kickstarter or someone to move them and push them to the next steps. Um, and I am there to do that. Sometimes I just hold space. I just listen. Um, but you're able to book online and then we schedule our appointments, um, you know, deeming if you have, depending on, you know, what kind of services that you requested. And we just begin to do the work. We begin to answer the questions. We begin to, you know, seek, um, and I do that, uh, you know, in in my spare time outside of my position here in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, And then I'm just trying to build a community here in Columbus, I'm going to probably um, be hosting, that's on my vision board, that's my goal this year, is to at least host one um, event this year around My Motherhood Magic, because now that I've done this work online, I really want to kind of hold space for it here locally and build um, a connection with women here in Columbus. And so my hopes is to do that in the fall, Um, you know, bringing women together, um, having support groups, um, being able to, you know, dive deeper when it comes to motherhood, um, thinking about early childhood mental health, parenting children who um, don't fit um, the box, um, and really just... Doing that service work. So yes. Yes.
1: So again, we gonna link that so that everybody can connect. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: And hold me accountable. Cause honey, fear is a real thing. And I sit with fear a lot. Mm-hmm. Um my journey this year is to step out of fear and knock down some of these goals that I have for myself because even, you know, I get that people hear me and they're like, yes, girl, but even I sit with insecurity and, um, you know, feeling like less than. And so, you know, those are things that I'm still overcoming um, and just trying to make sure that I'm leading with intention to make sure I'm at a good place so that I can fill the needs of others.
1: For sure. For sure. Is there um, anything else that you want to share with listeners? Resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Anything that you just want to leave them with that we maybe didn't touch on or that you're just thinking about?
3: Um, you know, as far as res- resources, um, you know, do your research. I definitely think that um, if people have questions um, or need feedback or want to explore more on this conversation, I'm definitely accessible. Um, I make myself accessible um, on my off time, and you know, I want to for people to know that I'm open to connecting. Um, we don't do this work alone. We yeah. have to do this work side by side. Yeah. Um, it takes a village, and I've been lucky and blessed enough to be a part of so many villages. Um, but I also have my own, and so I just want to extend a hand of gratitude to you ladies for having me speak on here, um, to even think that it's necessary to have a conversation with someone like me, Um, and then I just want to extend a hand of support to any woman or any parent who is listening um, who feels like they need um, more of an intimate conversation with me, so I'm here, and I appreciate you ladies for having me tonight.
1: Of course okay. we are just incredibly thankful that you were like yes I will
2: right
3: yes of course of course <laughs> I'm telling people I mean like I am not an information hoarder like I got things to share okay no, you kidding. want me to share I'll share <laughs>
1: yes well thank you thank you thank you we were really excited to be able to have you on because this this conversation is needed um Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it's needed. So thank you again.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, <We're> ladies. <laughs> like, when's that event bring- Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, slide everybody. I'm telling you, hold me accountable, sis. We got you. you. Yes.
1: We got you. Good. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, thank you. And you, you, you ladies
3: too. And have a good night. All right. Talk to you. All right. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.
0: There is no perfect pregnancy, birth, or parent. And yet we rarely hear the real stories. It's time we speak up. Mom, actress, and advocate Tatiana Ali hosts Unspoken Stories, a new podcast from March of Dimes featuring real stories from the joys of parenthood to what happens when things don't go according to plan. You can listen to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting unspokenstories.org. We see a lot of perfect images of pregnancy, birth, and parenting, but more and more people are standing up to tell their real stories. In this podcast, you will hear some of those real stories from the joy of parenting and the complexities of dealing with illness with Atrix and mom, Jamie Lynn Sigler, a mom coping with loss and raising two toddlers, to the realities of parenting a baby born prematurely. These brave mom and dads have the courage to speak up and share their laughter, tears, and triumphs so that no one else has to feel alone in their experience. We hope you will join this important conversation. Whether you are a parent or considering becoming one, Subscribe to Unspoken Stories for free wherever you get your podcasts and learn more by visiting unspokenstories.org. That's unspokenstories.org.